Scaling Up Nation, your programs are of the highest quality. That means your products need to be that same high quality. And that's why I trust Scranton Associates to help me bring the best to my customers. They're a fourth generation business with over 100 years of experience. Scranton Associates can help you with biocides and both powder and liquid blends. If you have a question about your products, give them a call and they will help you review your formulas. They can also review your safety data sheets and labels. Folks, they know what they're doing when they're looking at these and they can prevent you from getting costly fines. Scranton Associates can handle all of your blending needs from the smallest order up to tanker cars. Find out why I trust Scranton Associates for yourself. Call them today or visit ScrantonAssociates.com. Welcome to Scaling Up H2O, the podcast where we're scaling up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. Hello, Scaling Up Nation. My name is Trace Blackmore, and I have the privilege of hosting this awesome podcast called Scaling Up H2O. What an incredible month that we have all been having. Things are changing. We're having to deal with all this stuff. And who can believe we are well within the second quarter? So much stuff is going on. So it is my hope that everybody out there is taking a moment and making sure they're doing things as efficient as they can, because trying to keep up with everything, it is just impossible if we are not learning as we go along. So maybe you were thinking you missed your opportunity to join the Rising Tide Mastermind and be part of the first ever live event for the group. Well, the great news is you have not. We are rescheduling the live event. So after the corona thing has passed us all by, and Nation, I know we're all going to get through this together, we are going to reschedule the event and you can be part of that live event. Now, you might be asking yourself, what exactly is the Rising Tide Mastermind? I know I talk about it quite a bit on the show, but I have to tell you, if it had not been for the members in that group, we all get together on a weekly basis. We are sharing so much about what is going on, especially now with business changing around COVID-19, I don't know where I would have gotten some of the great information. We have all been helping each other, and that's really what that mastermind group is. We get together once a week. We try to solve each other's issues. We hold each other accountable for doing the things that we say we're going to do to solve those issues. But now more than ever, it just shows that we all need a group of trusted advisors that we can ask questions to and get advice from what others are doing. So here is my ask for everybody who is listening. If the Rising Tide Mastermind does not sound like a group for you, please go out there and find a group that is right for you, especially right now with everything going on, you need somebody you can talk to and you can get great advice from.
You know, one of the things we talk about in the mastermind are goals. And of course, we talk about goals here on the podcast. And I know you talk about goals just like I talk about goals in the company. Well, back on episode 132, I told you about one of the books that the Mastermind Group was reading called 12-Week Year by Brian Moran. It was also one of the books that I had mentioned in one of the earlier episodes this year, and it does a great job of letting you know how to properly plan and execute your goals. Most items that we read do a good job talking about planning, but very few get into execution. Now, one of the things that the 12-week year really does a good job is explaining the SMART tool. And I want to say it's just about every single end of year or beginning of the year podcast that I've been on. We have talked about goals and I have shared with you the SMART tool. Of course, SMART, when you're looking at goals, it stands for Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Relevant, and Time-Bound. Now, the 12-week year does a great job of explaining how to use those tools. And if you want to know more about the 12-week year, you can go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash 12-week year. That's the number 12 and then week year, all one word. It'll take you right to an affiliate link where you can get the book or you can download it on Audible. Well, today's episode is all about the M. Of course, the M in SMART stands for measurable. And specifically, we're talking about metrics and aligning ourselves with a person that can truly understand the metrics of your company. Metrics can be defined as a method of measuring something or the results obtained from measuring that something. Simply put, I think Peter Drucker said it best, what gets measured gets improved. Yet, most of us fail to measure our regular activities and were then surprised that we didn't hit a particular goal. Well, businesses are no different. We have all of this data in our systems, financial data, information about how we service, what we order, how long it takes before a customer pays us, but not everybody uses that information to actually do something with it. Today's guest is Adam Lean, founder of the CEO Project. Adam helps business owners find out what metrics they should be looking at, and then he also guides them through that information, making it so they can make better decisions based on their own data. And no matter if you own your own company or work for a company, we all know that without profit, there is no company to own or work for. And that's really the bottom line. Metrics lead to us getting better profit through efficiency, through all of the things that we can measure, we can make them better. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So folks, please help me welcome Adam Lean. Well, Nation, my lab partner today is Adam Lean of the CFO Project. Adam, how are you doing today? Oh, not too bad. I'm glad to be here. 
We are glad to have you here. And I understand you are a fellow Atlantean, or at least you used to be. Yeah, I love I loved living in Atlanta. And maybe not the traffic so much, but I, I loved Atlanta. <laughs> Nobody likes the traffic here. But as a result of the traffic, everything you could ever want is in this city. That's true. Well, Adam, we're going to talk about a lot of things today that I'm sure some of our listeners are going to think, well, I don't own a company. Why do I need to know about this? But I want the entire Scaling Up Nation to stay tuned because I promise you will learn something, probably multiple things from this episode. We're going to be talking about why businesses fail and some things that we can all do to make sure that doesn't happen. But before we get started with that, do you mind telling the Scaling Up Nation a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So I, you know, after college, actually, you know, like you mentioned, I moved to Atlanta. Uh, I was an accounting major. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll get a job as an accountant. And so that's what I did in Atlanta. And I hated it. <laughs> I hated being an accountant. I love where I worked. I just didn't like being an accountant just because you're, you're, you're recording what happened. I wanted to get in, in, in the business and, and get my hands dirty, so to speak. So at nights and on the weekends, I started my own business, an e-commerce store, because it was easy to do with my day job. And this was back in 2006. And uh, the, the business grew and grew. And sales-wise, it was going great. Profit-wise, not so much. <laughs> after, you know, after about three to four years of running this business, I was able to leave my day job. But then it seemed like all of a sudden my profit and cash flow was causing me problems, and it was frustrating because I didn't know why. I mean, it, it, I wasn't accounting. I wasn't. I had an accounting degree. I wasn't accounted. I should know these things. But I felt completely overwhelmed in my business, uh, and, and I really didn't have anybody to turn to. You know, my accountant. I tried turning to them, but they're they're really you know accountants are really great at recording what happened, uh, not really helping from a strategy standpoint. And there was really nowhere else to turn to. Um, so I just dug in and completely started documenting everything about my business, and it, I, I sort of realized that that if I measure certain things and treat my business as sort of a set of systems and measure each part of the system, then, then I can really find out what's going wrong with my business and know which parts are going wrong and which parts are going right and know what to work on. And so I started helping other business owners do the same thing. And that morphed into what I do now is the CFO project. So the, you know, a chief financial officer does exactly what I just described for big businesses. They just, they analyze the financials. They sort of break the business down into sets of systems and figure out using data, using numbers, which part of the business is not working so right, you know, so good. And that's what they start focusing on and improving. And, and uh, so we provide that same type of thing for small businesses. Well, I love how you put that. A lot of people have the question about, well, I've got a CPA. Why do I need a chief financial officer? Or what does a chief financial officer even do? And you said that more often than not, accounting is just looking at what happened, not how do we be proactive to make something happen. I love how you put that. Yeah. I mean, most people sort of think that the CFO and accounting and controlling and bookkeeper are sort of synonymous, but they're not. Uh, the accountant or your bookkeeper, their job is to record what happened in the past correctly. And you need that. I mean, you have to have accurate sets of books, but you 
you also have to have somebody, if you're not doing this yourself, you have to have somebody that can help you look at the data that was given to you by your accountant or your bookkeeper and, and get insights from it and use that data to be able to know what to fix in your business. Uh, that's the key. I mean, that's the, the real benefit of having this data is that you can look at it and make managerial decisions. So that so a CFO is, it does a, a totally different job than an accountant. You know, you, you may, you probably have an accountant, you probably have a bookkeeper, uh, but you still need somebody that can help you think strategically and know exactly what to focus on to have a more profitable business. Now, out there in the Scaling Up Nation, we have companies that are listening to us that make tens of thousand dollars a year, all the way up to millions of dollars a year. At what point does a company need a CFO? Big businesses have CFOs because they're big businesses. Everybody, every business needs somebody like a CFO, but not everybody needs a full-fledged CFO because it's just not financially prudent. If you're a $100,000 company, you don't need it to hire a full-time CFO. Uh, so that's actually one of the reasons why we created this business the way we did is, is we give this small business owners usually uh, $100,000 to about $2.5 in sales, that range of small business. We give them a CFO on a part-time basis that leads them through our system, our four-step system for improving profitability. That way the business owner can afford this, but also get value. Uh, if you're, uh, you know, if you're doing anywhere from, you know, two and a half million to 10 million in sales, then it start, you know, you need to start looking at maybe getting a, a more dedicated CFO type person or even a full-time CFO. You know, it's interesting, uh, people that listen to this show and I just about probably every business owner, I would imagine, they're really good at what they do. Uh, a chef is a really good chef, and then he decides, I'm tired of working for somebody. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to open my own restaurant. And normally, restaurants fail within the first year. What are some of the reasons that so many businesses fail within the first year, if not five years? Yeah, so that's a great question. It's almost like you're reading my notes because <laughs> you're absolutely right. Most businesses get into their business because they are, uh, they're, they're an expert at the craft of their business. And most businesses fail because the owner spends all of their time focused on the craft and almost no time focused on the actual business. And, and so, you know, according to the Small Business Administration, 50% of all small businesses will fail within the first five years. Half. I mean, that's a crazy number if you think about it. And they fail really because they ran out of cash. But why do they run out of cash? And it's because they did not focus on the things that matter to have a profitable business. Just like you said, a cook starts a restaurant because they know, you know, they know food. A, a dentist buys a dental practice because they are trained in dentistry. And so because of that, because the dentists of the world like or are trained in what they do, that's where they spend their time. That's what they think about. But you've got to focus on the, the most important things, the things that matter to have a growing and more profitable business, which of course, that ultimately leads to, you've got to, you've got to focus on making more profit, which turns into cash flow 
which helps you pay your bills and stay in business and grow the business and save for retirement and give away, you know, if you want. Uh, but the, but you've got to focus on the things that matter. And most business owners are not great at that. I have the honor of working with a lot of other water treatment companies and helping them understand why it's so important for them to understand their financials. And Adam, you probably run into this as well. But when I ask people, you know, to show me their financials, a lot of times they'll show me the balance in their check register. And they think that's what they're doing to keep their company financially sound. So I was hoping you might explain to the Scaling Up Nation, what are some things that we should be looking at other than our bank balance? And then how does that help us proactively steer the business in the right direction? Yeah, so that's a good question. I think that most business owners who who just show you their bank balance and that's what they look at on a daily basis, they do that because that's an easy to understand number. I mean, they look at their bank balance, they have X amount, that makes sense to them. And what that's really saying is that they think that the financial reports that most accountants and bookkeepers provide to the, these business owners, they think they're uh, more complicated than they actually are. I mean, it sounds, it does sound complicated, the statement of cash flows, the balance sheet, profit and loss statement. But once you really just understand sort of how they're, they're set up and structured, these reports become very easy to understand. And, and once you start looking at these reports on a regular basis, they'll start to make sense and you'll start to get insights into your business that you could use to, to grow your business. And so I think the, the best thing that a business owner can do is, is just start, if, if you haven't already, just start looking at your profit and loss or, or you know, you, or it's called an income statement uh, on a monthly basis. And then, you know, compare the past 12 months and see any trends, see what's going on. Don't let the financial reports seem too complicated because once you understand them, then they'll, they'll be very easy to understand. So let's say we have a listener out there. We'll call him Bob. And Bob's never done this before. So he goes into QuickBooks or whatever financial software he's using. And he says, I want to do that profit and loss statement. He looks at it. He figures out what his revenue is. He figures out what his expenses are, figures out what his net income is. What does he do with that if he's never looked at that before? What are some of the trends he should be looking at? Yeah. So the first thing what I would tell Bob is to go to his QuickBooks and then pull up a profit and loss statement for the past 12 months. And then there's a, there's a feature. I, I really like QuickBooks online. So if, if anybody listening, if you are using something else, then possibly ask your bookkeeper or accountant to look at QuickBooks online because it's super friendly, user friendly, but pull up a uh, income statement report and then get it for the past 12 months by month, which means you'll have 12 columns, one for each month, and then export that into an Excel spreadsheet. And then dollar-wise, you can start seeing trends for sales, for gross profit, and for expenses, and for net profit, those four things. And then once you start looking at the trends for each month dollar-wise, then you could take all your expenses and your cost of sales and turn them into a percentage of sales so you can see, you can compare apples to apples each month. So here's an example. Let's say that your payroll, I mean, sales, uh, you know, $100,000 one month. 
and then your payroll was $40,000. Let's say this was January. So $40,000 is how much you spent in payroll. Well, if you divide that as a percentage of sales, then you get 40%. So 40,000 divided by 100,000, 40%. So let's say in February, you made sales of 200,000, but you spent 60,000 on payroll. Well, if you're looking at January, you spent 40,000 and February, you spent 60,000. It looks like you spent more, more in payroll. But if you take that 60,000 as a percentage of sales, then it's 30%, which is less than what you spent in January of 40%. You're able to compare apples to apples. So that's, that's a super easy example. But if you do that for many of your cost, so whatever direct cost that you have and uh, that you incur on a daily basis, if you take the percentage of sales, you could truly compare apples to apples to see you know, what your profit margin is on each job or what uh, you're spending in uh, every single month on, on certain items. Well, absolutely more data allows us to make better decisions. But in that case, we're looking at reports that have already happened. So how do we turn the information that we gain from that report into helping us make better decisions? So let's look at that example then of the payroll. So if one month you're spending 40% of your sales on payroll, and the next month, let's say you're spending 50% of your sales on payroll, then that is a red flag. Why did your payroll go up 10%? Because if you think about it, your sales, what regardless if you make $1,000 in sales or a $1 million in sales, if you think of it as, as a percentage, 100%, you want to keep as, as much of that 100% as possible and you want to deposit as much of that 100% in the bank account as possible. So any of those percentages that you spend, like in payroll, is costing you money. And so that is something actionable that you can look at. If you're if you're paying attention to your trends, you can say you can you can visually see that last month you spent ten percent more on sales wise on payroll than the previous month. Uh, so what happened? Why did it go up? And once you start asking those questions, then you can really uncover a lot of helpful information. When I work with other companies, something that I personally share with them is their sustainable growth rate. A lot of business owners don't understand that they can actually grow themselves out of business. What information can you share with the Scaling Up Nation to help frame that picture in? What are some of the things that they need to be looking at to make sure they don't grow themselves out of business? Yeah, so that's a great question. And it 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 really depends on the business themselves, but you're absolutely right. Businesses that that grow too quickly end up running into cash issues. So I'd say the number one tip is to is to monitor your cash flow. So the, to define what uh, define what cash flow is, it's the amount of money coming in less the amount of money going out of your bank account. Uh, so if you have a hundred thousand dollars going in, you have eighty thousand dollars going out then you flowed $20,000 in the bank account. That's how much you kept. So when businesses scale too quickly, uh, they end up uh, spending a lot more money going out than than money coming in uh, because you're having to buy equipment and inventory and ramp up employees. uh, And you're spending all this on the front end, but you may not have the money coming in and so therefore you have a, a cash flow crunch 
Uh, and a lot of businesses unfortunately fail because they grew too quickly, which baffles many business owners. They're like, wow, I'm growing. I have more sales than I did last year. Why's my cash flow poor? Why, why do I not have uh, money in the bank account? So yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a real struggle for businesses and you've got to maintain, uh, the best way to maintain that struggle is to monitor your cash flow to make sure that you're growing at a very sustainable rate. Your cash flow is growing at a sustainable rate. Well, let's use Bob as the example again. And now Bob, he's not only looked at his P&L and all the other statements that you mentioned, he's now working with you and you're coaching him to make his company better. He's now growing at a very successful rate, although you notice he does not have enough cash in his company to bring in all the things that he needs to continue to grow his business. What are some of the things that you would do with him so he could take cash out of the business? And what options does he have? Yeah, so that's a great question. So was, we sort of created this four-part system to help people just like Bob get a handle on their financials and know what they need to be working on every single month so that they can maintain a uh, uh, you know, solid growth in, in their profit and a sustainable cash flow. The very first thing, so the first step is we'll do an audit uh, on their financials for the past 12 to 24 months. Uh, and just like I explained earlier uh, a few minutes ago, uh, we'll take the, the financials for the past, at least the past 12 months, and we'll dump them into a spreadsheet. And we'll do some in-depth uh, assessment and, and analyze these to see the trends and to spot any red flags and to see any opportunities for growth. Because there's a lot of hidden gems in your financial data. And, and, you know, just like we were talking about earlier, you know, the more you learn about your financials, the, the, the numbers, if you will, the, the more you can uncover these gems. But that's the very first thing we'll do. We'll, we'll see what's holding you back from making more profit. Uh, the second thing that we'll do is, is and, and I've ever, you know, whether you work with us or another CFO or, or just do this yourself, you've got to set financial goals for the future. So what we do is we we call it the tar, you know the profit target. So for the next twelve months, we'll set specific goals, financial goals for sales, gross profit, profit and cash flow, and we'll tweak the numbers. We'll go through them and to make sure that that you're okay with the numbers because we want you to be happy with the target that you're shooting for. Are you happy with this profit number? Uh, and, and if you are, great. If not, then we'll tweak numbers. What needs to change for this to happen? But we're essentially, it's almost like creating a blueprint before you build a house. You got to know what you're building first before you know where to start. Or, you know, you want to know what it looks, it's going to look like before you even start building. And so we'll set these goals. The third step is you need to assess your performance on a monthly basis to see if you're on track to hit your goals. And if you're traveling cross country, obviously your target is your destination. That's where you want to go. You want to make sure that you're constantly assessing to make sure you're on the right path, on the right road to get there, you know, the fastest. So that's another reason why you need to understand your financials on a monthly basis. Are you on the right track? You know, because at the end of the day, the goal is for your business to generate cash flow. And the best way to do that is to, for your business to create a profit. 
I mean, you can you could get cash flow in other ways. You can get money from a, an investor, but of course, you have to give away a piece of your business. You can take out loans. You can go to the bank, but of course, they want that money back because it's debt. The best way, obviously, is to for your business to make a profit. And so that sort of leads me into my the the fourth step is that we want to make sure that your business, which is the the the, the machine that will generate this profit, is operating at top capacity. So we'll so if you think of your business as a machine, the machine's made up of individual parts. Each part um, has to be finely tuned every single month. And so we'll create what we call KPIs or key performance indicators so we can measure each of those parts that make up your system. So we know immediately if something's going wrong. And then we'll meet with the business owner on a monthly basis and say, hey, we've monitored your business over the past month. Here's the three to five most important things that need to happen this month to keep your business on track. And so whether you work with us or another CFO, you've got to focus only on the most important things that will keep your business on track to meet your your profit target or your profit goal. And the thing is, like we talked about earlier, most business owners are, are they're, they're very busy and they're focused usually on the day-to-day operations because that's what they enjoy doing. They focus on the craft of their business. But in order to stay in business, and you've got to focus on the most important things needed to have a uh, you know have a profitable business which turns into cash flow. Yeah, as you say that the E Myth by Michael Gerber comes to mind, and you know there's so many things that you have to know to run a business that are up and above the craft. So finances is just one of them, uh, but you've explained it so well. Let's say you've done all of those things with Bob. Now, what does that relationship between you and Bob look like? Does Bob now create an office within his office for you? Or are you meeting remotely? How often are you meeting? What does that look like? Yeah, so we meet remotely with clients across the country. Uh, and what we do is we uh, you know, we establish a relationship with Bob or our client, and we meet uh, via video chat. At the very beginning, we'll meet several times over the course of a couple of weeks because we want to make sure we hit the ground running. But then once we complete our initial audit of the business, and then we set our target profit goals, then we'll meet with the client every month. And before this meeting, behind the scenes, we will assess the business. We'll comb through the financials. We'll comb through those those key performance indicators that we had talked about. And then we'll get on a phone call or the, a video call with Bob and discuss how the business is going. And then, you know, reveal the three to five things. And it's never more than five because if everything's a priority, then nothing becomes a priority. So we we prioritize for Bob the most important things. So we explain these things and we discuss it and strategize on how to make it happen. And then it's just an open dialogue. Bob can ask questions on, you know, clarification questions, or we can strategize on how to get it to happen. Uh, and then after the call, Bob is is very clear on what his next steps are in the business. Uh, and then we'll just check in on a regular basis and then we'll do it all over again the next month, which is exactly what a CFO does for big businesses. They just do it on a daily basis because they're they're a big business. 
Has there ever been a time where you were working with somebody like Bob, you were looking at their financials and something just didn't make sense and you drilled down further and you found that there was some sort of malplay going on that the owner didn't know about? The the quick answer is yes. 99% of the time though, it's because the whoever was doing the books just didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> there was really no foul play there. There was there has been one instance where there was some foul play, uh, and we were able to highlight it to the owner, and, and they were able to take quick action. But um, most of the time, it's because the person doing the bookkeeping was just just really didn't know what they were doing, or probably shouldn't be the person doing it. Because a lot of business owners they want to keep tabs of their books, and so they'll do the business the, the books themselves, and. I strongly advise against that because the business owner has more uh, valuable things to do with their time and, and then bookkeeping, you know, or the business owner's spouse will do it or the office manager will do it. And, and that sort of leads me to another point. None of this matters unless you have accurate books so that you've got to make sure your books are accurate uh, and so that, uh, so that you can make decisions off of them. There's no point in making decisions off of inaccurate data. So let's explore that a little bit. So now Bob was working with you. You go in to explore his financial data and you find that they are all over the place. What do you tell him to do? Or can you even work with him? Actually, I've, I've told a couple of clients that it would not make sense for us to work together right now because their books are an absolute mess. And, and so we would help them find a bookkeeper or get them training or whatnot for whoever does the books. And then once they get the books up to speed, then we'll, uh, we'll start the engagement. But if the books are, are okay, then we'll start the engagement, but then we'll immediately tackle the problem with getting the, the books correct. And the, the books are really important to keep. I mean, most people think that keeping their books are really just for the accountant so they can do taxes, which obviously that's very important. You've got to have you know, the, the, the right data for taxes. But in my opinion, the business owner needs to think of their bookkeeping as more for them to make decisions off of. So it's got to be accurate. It's like going to a baseball game and not having a scoreboard. How are the players going to play the game if they don't know the score? How does anybody know whether who's winning, who's losing? Uh, how do the coaches know what players to put in the game, what plays to make? If nobody knows the score and a a lot of business owners are operating without knowing the score. And of course, the score is that profit and loss report. That's the score of your of your business. And so you've got to know that. I love that analogy. I've used that so many times because everybody normally has one favorite sport. And if you didn't know who was winning and losing in that sport, you wouldn't watch the game. So when you when you say that, people just get it. And they're like, okay, well, maybe I do need to take a closer look at my financials. Or maybe I need to get some help with my financials. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, this is just like I said at the beginning of this most people don't look at their financials because they think it's uh, complicated. And once you strip away sort of the accounting lingo, it's really not that complicated. It's just, you just need to get familiar with it. Once you get familiar with it, then it starts to make sense. And and that's actually one of the things that separates us from other CFOs or other financial type people is that we don't use accounting jargon or finance jargon. We use real language Small business owner jargon and language, 
And we make the financials super clear and simple and easy to understand because our goal is to make sure that, that our client's hitting that profit goal. There's no point in confusing them. We want to we want to make sure that the, those three to five you know next steps that happen that, that we give the the client each month. We want to make sure those are realistic and actionable, and are grounded in reality. I mean, a, you know, a lot of people you read books on finance or business, and there's everybody has their sort of theory on business systems, and a lot of it's grounded in theory and not real world. And so we want to make it super simple for business owners to to understand their financials so they can spend more time doing what they rather do, which is focus on their sales and operations. When I work with clients, it's more with their entire company as a whole. But I've also noticed that many owners will get very upset because they feel like they've either dropped the ball or they get embarrassed because they didn't know something. And because of that, it takes longer to build that trust and to get over that hurdle. What is some advice that you have for somebody that's listening that knows they can use some help in this area, but they're a little embarrassed to maybe what their books look like and they don't know how to go further? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think business owners in particular, see other business owners from the outside and think they're wildly successful. And I've looked at hundreds of uh, you know, the financials of businesses, and I can tell you that that's almost never true, <laughs> that everybody has skeletons in their closet. Every business has problems. And the thing is, if you believe in your business so that much, you need to get a trusted advisor to help you fix your business. Uh, and you know it may be the case where your situation's not as bad as you think it is, but you still need somebody from the outside who's not looking through rose-colored glasses like the business owner is. Somebody that can be objective about the business and sort of point out you know any red flags and opportunities so that you know what to fix. I mean, if you never do this, if you never get somebody to help, and by the way, person that you get to help cannot be somebody that works for you because they're not going to be able to give you, you know, objected, you know, opinions or, or information because they, you sign their paycheck. Uh, you've got to get somebody from the outside. Uh, and the natural fit is a, uh, is a CFO type person, somebody that thinks strategically about the numbers and about the business. Because at the end of the day, the whole point of the business is to, to produce cash. Uh, and to get there, you got to make a profit. And so that's, that's really the name of the game. And so we look at things from an objective standpoint and, and reveal a list of things that needs to happen to get to profitability or to improve the profit of the business. I will tell you that back in 2007, the experience that I shared not only happened with other business owners I worked with, it happened to me. And I knew I should have been doing a better job with not only my bookkeeping, but my forecasting. And I just didn't do anything with it. And I met with somebody after a seminar. Actually, I was at the seminar and I couldn't do any of the things that they were saying that you needed to do with your financials on a regular basis if you ran a business. And, and I was embarrassed about that. But I swallowed my pride. I met with that individual and he showed me how, one, my books were not as bad as I thought. It was just, I didn't understand the information that was in them. So uh, I can tell you exactly what you said I lived through. 
And then he showed me some things that I could do to help make better decisions. I then decided that there was no reason that other water treatment company owners needed to be confused by jargon. And then I've come up with some techniques and things that I use with companies that I work with. And if they need further financial help, I refer them to somebody like yourself. But I got to tell you, being able to look at what my company is doing in a way to allow me, the owner, to know that I'm steering it in the right direction or even better, what corrections I have to make. I mean, I would be out of business if I did not do that back in 2007. Yeah, I mean, it's super important. It, I take my car to a mechanic because of the, they're the experts in cars. I'm not. Like, and, and if I tried to do this myself, I would have a, I'd be walking everywhere. <laughs> you got to get the experts to, to do what, you know, what you're not so great at. You know, the business owner has very limited time throughout the week. The business owner needs to spend that time doing things that only the business owner can do. You know, leading their employees and meeting with key customers or doing whatever. Uh, you know, they're, they're the leader of the business. And so they just need some somebody to uh, that's an expert in the financials to just help the business, uh, the business owner. Yeah, the individual uh, that led the seminar that I was speaking of, uh, he's our current day CFO, and we work with him on a part time basis. And he's created special metrics for us to help us run the company the way it needs to be, or special situations that we've had develop. We've created metrics around those so we don't ever have to overcome those again. But I am curious, what are some of the top metrics that you recommend that every business look at? So that's uh, a great question. And uh, at the very least, the top metrics are total sales, your gross profit percentage. This is the direct cost that you incur to make a sale. So sales minus gross profit equals your gross profit. And then you divide that into sales, that equals a percentage. So gross profit percentage. So that's a metric. And then net profit percentage. So your, your net profit margin or, or percentage. So if your sales minus your direct cost equals your gross profit minus all your overhead, like your payroll, insurance, rent, et cetera, equals your net profit. Uh, so if you take that number, divide it by sales, that's your net profit percentage. So the, those are the three main KPIs or main metrics to look at on a regular basis. Something we look at is called trailing 12s, where we'll take the last 12 months of data and allow it to normalize so there's no seasonality in it. Is that something you use quite a bit? Yeah. And, and it also depends on the particular business too and the industry as well. But yeah, absolutely. That's one of the reasons why we do that uh, at the beginning. We do this, the, the profit audit. It's really the assessment on the past 12 to 24 months of the business uh, so that we can see trends taking into account the full year. So it would strip away seasonality. But yeah, I mean, in the rolling 12 months that you referred to, I mean, it's that's great because every single month you can, you're using the most immediate data to make decisions. There's a tool that's available to the water treatment community that the Association of Water Technologies puts out about every three years. Uh, they just did the data collection a couple of months ago, so that should be rolling out pretty soon. It's called the Benchmarking Survey. 
And what they do is they survey other water treatment companies and they roll them into various metrics. And that's a great way for somebody like me to compare what my company's doing based on what another like company is doing. How important is that to keep score against another like company? Okay, so that's a really good question. Uh, I get that question a lot. Because most industries have the industry association publishes some sort of benchmark, just like you referred to. And so you sort of have to take those with a grain of salt. <laughs> the best, the most, the most value that you can get from that is the, to know the specific metric you should be measuring. And so the, you know, find what everybody else in your industry is measuring and then measure that for your own business. But here's, here's why I say you should take the data with a grain of salt is because most of that data is, in my experience, is skewed because not everybody's going to report the data. Only the people that are reporting data have really great businesses and they're the only ones reporting the data and that skews the numbers. I mean, if somebody has a horrible business, they may not want to report that because they're embarrassed. They don't want to. So it sort of skews the numbers. So you have to take the, the actual numbers that these surveys you know, produce with a grain of salt, but the actual metric that they are measuring, certainly take that and apply it to your own business and then benchmark against yourself. Uh, so if your net profit margin was 4% last year, then regardless of what anybody else did, you need to just make sure that you do uh, better than 4% this year and just benchmark against yourself. Well, that's a great point. Keeping score against yourself, make sure you're moving in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. So there are a lot of people listening and they want to know where to start. So what's their call to action? What should they do? So the, yeah, the, and there's a couple of things that you can do. If, if you like the numbers and, you, and you're just curious about learning more about your financials, there's so many resources online. Uh, there's a book though that I recommend called Financial Intelligence for Entrepreneurs. I love that book. I recommend that to everybody I work with. Yes by uh, Karen Berman and Joe Knight. I uh, highly recommend that book because they, they break things down. So, you know, if, if you're that type of person that just wants to know, um, they'll break down the, the, the key financial statements and sort of reveal what everything means. You can also get training online, you know, but if, you know, I would also love to talk to any business owner that just wants to, to pick my brain or, uh, or just want to talk out their business, you know, I created a special website for you guys, the cfoproject.com slash scaling up. You can literally book a time on my calendar and I would love to talk about your business and see what's, what's going on to see if we can just talk things out. Even if we never go forward, just to talk, it, it's very therapeutic to have somebody to talk to. Um, so I want to make that available. I love talking to business owners anyways, as a business owner myself. <laughs> Definitely check that book out if, if anybody's curious. Yeah, as I mentioned, that is one of my favorite books. That was actually the book that started making me feel better back in 2007 because they don't use a lot of jargon. And they have a uh, fictitious statement uh, in there and they actually take you through it. And that was the book that allowed me to start understanding the cash flow statement, the income statement, and the balance sheet. They really do a great job in there. Yeah, I, I, you know, I went to uh, accounting school 
uh, you know, I majored in accounting in college, and I wish that this was the textbook <laughs> because the accounting textbooks were very theory focused, and it just was highly confusing. Uh, but yeah, this book makes it very actionable and clear. Well, I know you have helped a lot of people today. At the very least, people that know that they should be taking a better look at their financials and they haven't, they at least know they're not alone and they know how to start doing that. So I really appreciate you sharing some of that information. I know there's so much more we could talk about, but I do want to ask you a few lightning round questions if you don't mind. Sure. All right. So uh, you now have the ability to go back in time and talk to yourself on your first day working with businesses, understanding their financials. What advice would you give yourself? That's a great question. I would say to, to demystify the financials for the business owners or really anybody that I'm talking to. Um, I used to come in with, you know, when I first started, I approached things that I from a CFO or an accountant standpoint. And business owners don't care. They want to know, they, they just want the, the, the facts. <laughs> they want to know what's going on with their business. Uh, and so I stopped talking like an accountant or finance person and started talking like a, a fellow business owner. What are the last few books that you've read? The last couple of books I read, there was a book by the, um, the founder of Keller Williams, Gary Keller. Oh, that's the one thing? The one thing, yeah. Yes, that's a great book. <laughs> yeah, um, I really got a lot out of that. Yeah, and I got to tell you, um, I, I was impressed. I'm curious to how you feel about it. You know, I pride myself on multitasking. Look, I can do 10 things at one time. And the whole premise about that book was don't do that. You can't do anything very well if you're doing multiple things at the same time. So I was really mad at the first chapters of that book. But then reading through it, I realized that if, if I worked on one thing completely, that I was going to get that completely done. What did you think about that? Yeah, I agree. And that sort of it goes along with the philosophy that I, you know, that I have in my business with the business owners, giving them a focus for the month. The most important things that can happen that, you know, that month is what they need to focus on instead of trying to focus on everything. Because just like that book said, you have to focus on, you know, one main, you know, the most important thing, not just any one thing. What else are you reading? Uh, before that, it was uh, Bad Blood by John Carreyou. Have you heard of this, the, the Theranos? No, no, that, I have not heard of that. Oh my goodness, that's a really good book. Uh, you know, Theranos is the uh, the blood testing company by... Elizabeth Holmes. Oh, that's right. And she's actually uh, in court right now, isn't she? Yeah, she's going through the process. And uh, I think her court date is set for sometime next year. But anyways, he, John uh, is a reporter and he he uncovered the, this and wrote a book about it called Bad Blood. It almost reads like a, a thriller, <laughs> uh, but it's a true story. I mean, everything's true and it it's fascinating. Yeah, she was like worth several hundred billion dollars at one point, wasn't she? Based on a product that didn't work. Yes. I mean, she was like the highest net worth of any of any uh, female under 30 or something like that. I mean, she, it was it was crazy. Uh, but yeah, the, the product, it was a, it was a essentially a non-existent product that they lied to. And this is where she got in trouble. She lied to investors 
so they were investing under false pretenses. Um, and so they may not have invested if they knew the truth. And so that's, that's a, a lot of you know, why she got in trouble. Yeah, I think there were a lot of blood test results that were actually wrong, that uh, people either thought they didn't have a disease or did have a disease that the, the test missed. Yeah, I mean, and and there's so much more in depth in that book, but yeah, essentially she would, like, for example, she would take an investor, a potential investor in the room, do the blood test on them and, you know, prick their finger or whatnot, and then put it in the machine. And then they would leave the room to go show them around the the facility. Somebody else would come in, take that blood sample and take it to a machine that's used by, you know, just a normal, you know, commercial grade machine that's used in every lab <laughs> in America and actually test the blood. And then 45 minutes later, the, the, they will bring the investors back in and say, oh, the, you know, our machine, you know, completed its, its report and here it is. But the report came from a, you know, not their machine. Somebody else's, the investor was none the wiser. And then they, you know, invested money thinking that their technology was working and it just wasn't. Amazing. All right. So uh, Hollywood's going to listen to this podcast. They're going to hear what a wonderful life and all the services that you provide. When Hollywood finds out about your life and they make a movie about it, who plays you? Oh, man, that's a really good question. I would say Justin Timberlake. I think I think I think he would uh, fit the bill really well. He did a great job in the uh, in the social network. (laughs) So it's based on that, not your music abilities? Oh, yeah, just definitely not. (laughs) Fair enough. All right, my final question is you now have the ability to speak with anybody throughout time. Who would it be with and why? Uh, Warren Buffett. I like the fact that he's very level-headed when it comes to business. He doesn't let emotions sway him. It's, you know, he's very objective. And he's obviously, you you know, wildly successful. And so he has a good, a good business sense. So if I could, uh, if, if I could get him to be a mentor, <laughs> that would be amazing. Well, Adam, I want to thank you for coming on Scaling Up. I know we just scratched the surface on why financials are so important, but I think you've done more than that. You've shown people that there is a way and they don't have to know it all themselves. So thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, I, I uh, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. Adam, thanks so much for coming on Scaling Up H2O. When I work with water treatment company owners, I normally find that they do not have anybody outside of the accountant role that's looking at their financials. And what that means is you don't have somebody who understands the strategy that you can get from understanding your numbers. Most people don't have a professional CFO, and that stands for Chief Financial Officer. Now, back on episode 11, way back on episode 11, you heard from Blackmore Enterprises CFO, Mike Iverson. Now, Mike Iverson is part of my Vistage group, and we've been working together for a little better than 10 years, and he was one of the people that was very influential for me starting this podcast. And when we talked about it, he set all these metrics for me to measure to see how well this podcast was doing. So just imagine when you start tying metrics to the things that are important to you, 
And now you're just not doing them by default. You're doing them by design. And the design is you're always getting better because you're keeping score. My business coach, Tim Fulton, always tells people that are not keeping track of their numbers, whatever they are. Imagine going to a baseball game and you don't know what the score is. Can you imagine how frustrating that would be? Well, so many people are running their territories, their finances, their businesses that way, and they simply don't realize how much that information can lead to better decisions. Now, as I mentioned, I've been working with Mike for several years, and the cool thing about Mike is all he does is look at numbers, and he can see numbers in a way that I'm just not going to see. Now, he's taught me some great calculations and things that I use not only in my business, but when I coach other businesses, how to help them. But it's just amazing when you have a professional like Mike or Adam, what they can do with your numbers to help you go in the right direction. A great example of that was my company didn't want to pay an exorbitant amount by borrowing money from the bank for a specific piece of equipment. Well, Mike came over, we started looking at all the different financials that my company had, and he essentially found money that we were not using properly. He had me look at accounts receivable. Now, accounts receivable is how long it takes for a customer to pay you after you send them an invoice. And ours wasn't horrible, but it was about 20 days longer than what our terms are. Now, we give customers terms, and our terms are net 30. They were actually paying in 40 to 45 days. He then did a calculation to show us how much cash we had out there. And not only did we have enough to buy the piece of equipment if we were to get our money paid sooner, we could afford a person to actually run that equipment. So folks, our goal was to go out and get more revenue. And of course, any business owner, it's always going to be that. But my eyes were not on what was staring me right in the face, that we weren't being diligent enough with our accounts receivable. And because he showed me that information, we started making some phone calls and making sure people had all the information that they needed. And we got that really close to 30 days, not only paying for that equipment, not only paying for the individual that now runs that equipment, but it also allows us, one, to have better relations with our customers. So we're making sure if there was anything missing that we can now get that to them. And I want to say that we have a better relationship because we now have that expectation. And now it's another number that somebody is in charge of, and they feel so proud when they hit that metric. Again, Peter Drucker said it best, what we measure gets better. And that, by measuring it, absolutely got better. You know, another thing he had us look at was our accounts payable. And for the longest time, we would pay invoices to vendors when it was convenient for us to pay. And we were well within the terms that those vendors gave us. Well, we set up a procedure that allowed us to pay at the exact same time each and every month according to what those terms were. 
So essentially, we got to hold on to our cash just a little bit longer. And I tell you, when you are forecasting cash flow, having money come in faster and money go out on a set time, it really allows you to figure out where your business is going. And then when you look at things like sustainable growth rate, did you know there was a calculation for that? How much can your company or even your territory effectively grow without putting too much strain on it? Well, these are all the numbers that you're going to put into that. And now using your own data, you can make better decisions. Simply put, the bottom line is with data, you make better decisions and you have more options to make decisions on. Now, I know most of you are thinking you cannot afford to hire a full-time CFO. Well, here's the good news. You don't have to. Professionals like Mike and Adam are available on a part-time basis to help you navigate through your financial data. If you're interested in a relationship like this, I know it can be difficult to start that conversation. How do I find these people? What questions do I ask? How do I know I can trust them? So I have tried to put together some tools to help the Scaling Up Nation out. I've started a network of individuals that I trust that you can start a relationship with. You can go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash TA, TA as in trusted advisors, to find a professional to help you with some of your business needs. Now, we're currently interviewing people and working with people that we're already working with that we trust to see who would be good on this trusted advisor network. So check back regularly because we're continually adding people on. But I am here to tell you, you don't need to hire a professional full time to get the benefit. If you just work with some of these individuals on a part-time basis and they help you start looking at the right numbers and numbers you might not even have thought of before, setting metrics with that, and then making decisions based on how those metrics start trending, folks, you would be amazed at the direction your territory or your company goes in. Nation, at the top of the show, I mentioned the Rising Tide Mastermind and how incredible it has been to have a group of fellow members that we could bounce ideas off of, especially in this COVID-19 crisis. Well, what I have done for the last few weeks is I have had specialists come on in particular areas to help answer some questions about how we get through certain things, what we need to watch, what we need to do. And one of those speakers actually was Adam Lean. And Adam came on, he did a webinar. And the fact of the matter is, we need to be looking at these numbers, COVID-19 or not. But with COVID-19 going on, having this data has allowed me to make so many decisions because I now can test the numbers based on the data that I'm collecting. So if you want to see that webinar, in fact, if you want to see all the webinars that we have been doing for the mastermind group, you can go on scalinguph2o.com forward slash COVID-19. 
We all know how to spell that, and there's no dash in between. So scalinguph2o.com forward slash COVID-19. It will take you straight to the webpage where we have all of our videoed webinars. And you can learn right along with me as our expert speakers are giving us advice on what to do. And Adam is one of those speakers. I hope today's episode gets you thinking about all of the things that you can measure. And folks, you can measure anything. You can kind of go crazy with that. But what are the top things that you do that make the most income-producing items? So sales is always an easy one to talk about. If I need to increase my sales by $40,000, how much is an average account worth? And then how many people do I need to call based on my closing ratio to get up to that $40,000? Well, folks, you can do that with anything. I just told you how we did it with accounts receivable and accounts payable. When you start looking at your data, you can make better decisions. If you're not measuring, how do you know? And more importantly, how do you know when it's too late to fix an issue you might not even have known has been happening. Well, folks, I hope you've learned something from this episode, and I sure hope that you join me next time on Scaling Up H2O.